0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, It is good to be with you for worship. Before we get started, I'll announce two things, and then the rest I would invite you to read over on the back of your bulletin. The first I was reminded of, next Sunday we are going to be falling back an hour, which means we gain an hour. I still am unsure of that. I I hope that's the truth. Uh, We lose an hour, so a lot of our phones will update automatically. But if they don't... uh, do your best to know what time it is, and we hope you can join us next weekend for worship and Sunday school. Secondly, right after this service is Fifth Sunday Supper, which we do on the fifth Sunday uh, when that falls, and it's a time for us to join together and eat good food and enjoy each other's company. So you're all invited, whether you have brought food or not, and we're not just being nice and saying that, we actually want everyone who's here to join us for food, even if you haven't prepared any. Um, That is the grace of God shown to us. So please join us after the service, after we enjoy the Lord's Table for a time of fellowship together. And again, if you are part of the uh, women's ministries of our church, or would like to be, there are announcements on the back of the bulletin for you, for our cherub and primary choirs, and for night and day circle is also on the back. Jesus Christ invites us to worship him. He gives us his spirit to do that. So take a few moments as the music plays to quiet your hearts and your minds and ask God to help you worship this morning. Let's do that now.
1: Please stand for our call to worship. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 95, verse 1 through 3. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. But the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. If you would take your hymnals now and turn to hymn number 92, we'll sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we just read in scripture, you are a great God and a great King. Thank you for allowing us this Lord's Day to worship with other believers. You promised us where two or more gather together, you are there in our midst. We ask that you would open our minds and hearts so that we can hear your voice this morning. Fill our minds with your word. Fill our hearts with your grace. Empower our worship by your Spirit. May we gather together this morning longing to be consumed with your glory and grace. Please be with Matt this morning as he delivers your morning message. Let it be powerful in his delivery and open our minds and hearts to your words so that we can be humbled and transformed. We ask all these things in your son's most precious name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on the earth that it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us the debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You might be seated.
0: Well, we have a time to pray together. Um, I will lead us in a time of corporate prayer. Um, Some of you may know that today is Reformation Sunday, and we sang just a few seconds ago, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, um, who Martin Luther had a hand in writing and creating. Um, We are uh, thankful to God that he has, in every age, given us uh, people who love him and follow him, and we're thankful for those people who were um, working for uh, Christ's church and allowing us to be able to read the Bible in our own languages to uh, bring people into closer worship and relationship with God um, in so many different ways. Um, Just wanted to mention that. So we'll pray together. I'll lead us in prayer, and then we'll continue on into our worship service. Would you please bow your heads with me and pray with me? And I'm going to read uh, from a psalm to begin our prayer. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies dear father we pray that you would hear us this morning you've told us to seek your face and we are seeking it lord we pray you be gracious to us and answer us if we then who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children how much more will you father and give good things to those who ask you god you have been good to us and you will continue to be good to us For you are good, and in you is no darkness at all. Father, we pray that you would use each one of us for your good purposes. We ask that you would give us the gifts and abilities to minister to our neighbors, to our family and friends, and to our co workers. Lord, you know we have a hope within us that's been given to us by you. And this is no small hope, but a hope that sees us through the darkest days of our lives. Father, Son, and Spirit, We are but dust, and yet you have clothed us with glory and splendor. Hear our prayers this morning for restoration for the many injured people, for help for the grieving families in Seoul, South Korea, after yesterday's terrible stampede. Lord, we lift up the countries of Ukraine and Russia, and we ask that the war would be ended soon and that no more lives would be lost. And would you protect the necessary infrastructure for the Ukrainians as they go into the winter? And give hope to your people and the churches there as they minister and love uh, those who are going through a terrible time. We praise you and we thank you, God, for this past week's uh, Wednesday night gathering at the Chapmans. Lord, would you continue to build this church up as a community, as a body? Lord, you delight in us, and we saw that in in a way less past Wednesday evening Lord would you bless the presbytery meeting this Tuesday of all the pastors and elders of this area this region come together Lord would you give humility and empathy to everyone who attends God would you guard our hearts and our mouths during this next week as we think and talk about the elections in our country and our town help be charitable humble, and loving. Help us to uh, oppose the way in which our culture would seek to talk about these things, which is more divisive and hostile and demeaning. Lord, we thank you for this time to worship and to pray. We pray you would continue to bless your church and cause your kingdom to grow. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please pray with me. God, we give our tithes and offerings to your kingdom, to your purposes. Would you bless our tithes and offerings for that purpose? Lord, we thank you for this time to give. Uh, Enlarge our hearts for giving. Um, Even as we go through these next few months and years, as the economy uh, becomes more and more difficult, Lord, give us hearts that enjoy and uh, listen and respond to you in our giving. Uh, We pray again all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would remain standing, we'll continue worshiping together with hymn number 119, hymn 119, which is, I sing the almighty power of God. Let's continue worshiping together. You may be seated. Uh, I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 1. A little over five years ago, I taught Sunday school as part of the interview process, you could say, of coming to this church. And you may, you probably don't remember that um, if you were there. But it is an honor to be able to preach on this same passage and see how God is working today uh, through his word. So Mark chapter four, starting at verse one, let's read together. This is the word of the Lord. Other seed fell on rocky soil, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said... How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then when tribulation and or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, <coughs> And accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Please pray with me for a moment as we go to God's word. Lord, we ask that you would speak clearly to us through your word this morning. Uh, Speak clearly through me the good news that you have for us. Would you apply it to our hearts by your spirit? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Every few years, I buy soil for our potted herbs in our backyard. And over the past almost four years, about the lifespan of Jane, our daughter, who is turning four in December, I have dreamed of soil that can go untouched and uncared for that will produce herbs that are delicious and healthy without any of my effort involved. And so for rosemary or thyme and basil or parsley or whatever it might be to grow in our potted plants in the backyard, they need someone who is not me for the time being. Uh, they need to water them. They need someone to loosen the soil. They need someone to put them in a place where there is just the right amount of sunshine. And sadly, uh, the cares of the world, you could say, have taken away my Ability and time to care for these herbs in the right way. And sometimes I go into the backyard when a recipe calls for one of these herbs, and I think maybe, maybe miraculously, one of these herbs is growing, and I can go and use it for this recipe. Uh, But they don't survive. They haven't survived my abandonment, and they are not growing. Um, They've been neglected. It just doesn't work that way, as you know. And our spiritual lives and our hearts are similar. They don't work that way either, as much as we wish they did. So Jesus uses this parable of the soils to teach us about our hearts, how we are receptive or not to him and to his word. Jesus' main teaching method was using parables, which just, a parable is just comparing one thing to another, holding one thing up, comparing it to another. And I used to think riddles, I'm sorry, parables were more like riddles, where we needed some kind of key to unlock the meaning of the parable. That's what Jesus meant, I used to think, was that these were mysteries that we needed to solve. But what Jesus is really saying is the key to understanding parables is himself. When he says, you have the secret to the kingdom of God, he's saying, you have me to understand what I'm teaching. Jesus is the key To parables, and what's most important in this parable is summed up in the first, in the third verse, which is: "Listen, hear, receive this word. Listen and receive Jesus and His word. He who has ears to hear, let him hear." So we're going to look at two things the lesson of the soils, and how the lesson of the soils applies to our life. And then we'll enjoy the Lord's table together. So let's look at, how, at the lesson of the soils. The main point of the soil parable is to listen to Jesus. And not just to listen to Jesus, but to ask God to give us hearts that are responsive to his word to ask God to give us hearts that are responsive to his word. And responsive means to hear Jesus and to receive him, which means that his word begins to take root in our lives, which means our soil is loose and malleable. And so Jesus is saying every day, in every conflict, in every season, in your suffering and in your joy, whatever place you might be in, He is saying, have hearts that are receptive to my word. Ask for a heart that is responsive to God's word in every circumstance. Jesus' prayer for you and for me is that our hearts would not be hardened by the world, by the devil, by our flesh. They are all seeking to harden our hearts. And so Jesus gives us this parable where he shows us these different types of soils to illustrate where we might be and the type of person, the types of people who receive God's word and those who don't. As he shows us, Satan is doing his best to take the word away. Whether it's by tempting people to simply harden their hearts against any kind of word from God, like the hard path, Or our hearts are like rocky soil, and over time, persecution or suffering on account of the Word comes into our life, and we just don't feel like it's worth holding on to the Word, so we give it up because we need something else. Or our hearts are like the thorny soil, and the cares and desires of the world eventually overpower our trust in the Word but those who hear and receive the word in good soil, a heart that is receptive, are miraculously fruitful. They abound in fruitfulness. In some ways, we can look at this parable as the ministry of Jesus, as the ministry that Jesus carries out. On the one hand, this parable represents the work God is doing in and through Jesus. And some people say it's the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Jesus, the sower of the gospel, who tirelessly sows the gospel to whoever would hear it, he is preaching and teaching everywhere he goes. And he's doing it today through the preaching and reading of his word, even now. He sows the word almost indiscriminately. He, he sows it and invites people to the gospel uh, of all, all types of people everywhere, Isaiah 45 says, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. No one is beyond the reach of God, and God is preaching his gospel to all peoples. For every person, the word falls on those who have no desire to hear it. For others... People hear it and they grow quickly, but they wither because the word has not taken root. For others, the word is taken away by the cares of the world. And some receive the word and produce a tremendous crop. So, just as God's word goes out to all people to be saved, Jesus also teaches here in this parable that his word and his parables serve also as a judgment. So, for some, it is a blessing and salvation, and for others it is a judgment. Look at verse 10 with me. This is a challenging and difficult couple of verses. We read this, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Initially, this seems unloving. It seems, at best, confusing. But what Jesus shows us here isn't new. In fact, he's quoting from one of the old prophets in the Old Testament. Parables, like prophets in Israel's time, bring to light what is already there. Sometimes prophets' only role was to preach the gospel, but it was serving as a judgment on people's unbelief. Jesus' parables confirm the states of people's hearts. People who are with Jesus will be given understanding, but the outsiders will be confirmed in their unbelief. So in this verse, we have something very difficult to understand, but one we have to wrestle with, which is God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, or free will. God's sovereignty and God's will and man's free will. We see stories that illustrate this lesson, whether it's with Pharaoh's hardness of heart, where we read in Scripture that it's Pharaoh's own responsibility for his hardness of heart, and it is also attributed to God's will. What's more clear to me is from Mark chapter 14, verse 21, where we we read this. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. God's plan was... For Jesus to die for sinners. But woe to that man, it says. But it doesn't diminish the responsibility of the people who betrayed Jesus. The act of killing and murdering Jesus was sinful and evil in itself. And yet, it is part of God's plan. It is part of his will. God is sovereign over all people. And yet all people are responsible for how they hear and whether they receive Jesus and the gospel. They're responsible for their unbelief. In John chapter 9, we read this, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Jesus is both our Savior and Judge. We hear these words similarly when we enjoy the table, which we'll get to in in a few moments. Jesus is both Savior and Judge. As we move on from this part of the passage, Jesus then gives us a look at the life of discipleship, those who receive the Word and those who do not, again, So if the first part of the parable is more of a picture of Jesus' ministry, and then the second part of the parable is more like the life of those who receive his word. It's more of the life of discipleship. We see several warnings in this parable. If your heart is hard, his word may be snatched from you. If the cares of this world, whether it's your career, uh, your bank account, your political reputation, uh, whatever desires of this world that you have, when they begin to overpower the word, the gospel, the spirit in your life, be warned. If you're not willing to let the word affect every area of your heart and of your life, you're at risk of the word being dried up when persecution or suffering comes. I have heard pastors repeat this over and over again, and other Christians, that we need a robust, a deep, and abiding understanding of suffering and evil. A robust understanding of the theology of suffering and evil. Because otherwise, when we encounter suffering or evil in our life, and we don't understand what God is doing in the midst of suffering— and through evil, God would never and can never commit evil. But we need to understand where God is in the midst of these things. Otherwise, when they come, when persecution or suffering comes, the word will crumble in our lives. The role God has for suffering, the reasons for suffering, the end of suffering, this is where our roots began to really go deep in our hearts there is a great book on suffering which i'll give a shout out to which is tim keller's book on suffering i think it's just called suffering uh it's a book i go to and reference frequently and if you would like to read it i would love to read it with you and talk about it with you over the coming weeks So we get to this question of how do we apply this lesson to our lives? We see the soils. We see the different warnings. We see the different ways in which people receive the word or don't. I think and believe this leads us to humbly ask God, as I said in the beginning, to ask God to give us a heart that is responsive to his word. To ask God to give us a heart that is responsive to his word. In every situation and conflict and season of life, in our successes and failures, in our fears and our sorrow, we are to ask for a heart that is good soil for the Word of God to take root. To ask for a heart that is quick to confess sin, to be honest about our weaknesses and our sin for a heart to hear and receive Jesus in our anger and self-righteousness. When we are wronged and when we feel we are 100% right, ask God to soften your heart, to be receptive to his word. When we begin to ask God for a heart that is receptive to his word, to take root in our life, we can see Jesus Unlock Psalm 1 for us when we read this. And you can turn to Psalm 1 if you'd like in your Bible. We read in Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. who has good soil, delights in the word of the Lord, and he meditates on it, and it has deep roots, and his leaf does not wither, no matter the season that it's in. Whether the circumstances around him are terrible or they are wonderful, his leaf and his fruitfulness does not end. Even when there's a drought, even when there's a thunderstorm, whatever comes, his leaf does not wither. He is always fruitful. So we can ask God for a receptive heart, for soil that is constantly refreshed and able to accept the word. We can ask God and use the tools that God gives us. And this is lame, but we can say God gives us gardening tools to keep the soil of our hearts. God gives us the means of grace, which we talk about often in Reformed circles, which is the word, sacraments, and prayer. These are the ways in which God communicates and plants his word of grace in our hearts. So we can... Go to God in prayer, and I encourage you to pray to God alone, in a room, this week, and be with God. Be attentive to reading and enjoying and bringing in God's Word by reading your Bible, especially on days you don't feel like it. Go to church so that you can respond to God's grace in worship and grow in fruitfulness and enjoy the sacraments. As we are given a responsive heart, we are the first, perhaps, to acknowledge when we have sinned against another person or when we have used hurtful words against another person. A responsive heart is the first to say that what I said, for instance, was wrong. And I said it because I wanted to, because my heart is sick from sin And I am sorry. A responsive heart says, you are right to be sad, to be hurt and discouraged. And by God's help, I will never say that again. And we can ask for forgiveness. And a responsive heart leaves the rest to the Lord. A responsive heart is not, does not require or expect forgiveness from those we have wronged and sinned against. The good soil of a healthy heart is workable, it is pliable in every season. And if you don't have someone in your life to speak honestly to you, to ask questions that reveal the state of your heart, I encourage you and urge you to begin a relationship with someone for these purposes. For someone to say, hey, it looks like the work that you're taking on, it looks like all these things you're doing are beginning to suffocate the word in your life. It looks like these things are becoming more important than your knowledge and love and walk with the Lord. We need people who, were, who will just ask us, are you enjoying, are you reading, and letting God's word into your life on a regular basis? We need someone to do this because the word, the temptation of the devil, the temptations of the world and of our flesh will not cease until we die or Christ returns. And so as Hebrews chapter 3 says, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Every day, exhorting each other just means bringing each other, bringing accountability, bringing the word to bear on one another's, each one another's life. And now the good news is this. The good news of the gospel is that wherever you are today, whatever state your heart is in today, God will give everyone who asks of him a new heart, a heart that is receptive to his word. Ezekiel 36 says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is the promise of the gospel that Jesus is sowing. Jesus is the sower of the word He is also the giver of new soil. He is the one who provides us with the heart to receive his word. He causes dead soil to spring new life and be fruitful beyond measure. So whether you are old or young, whether you hate God or are far from God, or whether you enjoy God and his presence today, He can and He will make you fruitful beyond measure by His Spirit. He will produce joy and peace and patience and kindness, generosity, self-control, gentleness in everyone who asks. God will give it. We have a wonderful God who cares, not just for those who have receptive soil, but for those who are hard-hearted, God lifts up the weak. He brings life to the dead. This is the God we worship and serve. So he who has ears to hear, let him hear this morning that Jesus is alive and the life he now has, he gives to all who ask of him. So be encouraged, be, it, be warned, and be grateful. Today, if you hear his voice, receive him. Ask God to put down roots in your life to be receptive to his word and he will, by his spirit's power, produce fruit in you a hundredfold. This is the promise of the gospel. This is the good news. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would give us receptive hearts this morning, every one of us. Lord, we are so prone to to harden our hearts not just against you and your word but against those around us. Lord, would you soften us? Would you cause your word to be deeply rooted in our life so that we would know your love for sinners and that this love would teach us how to love others? God, for those of us and that's all of us in this room who have wronged others, who have sinned against others, would you cause our hearts to be softened by your grace for us. Would you give us new hearts that would be the first to repent, the first to confess our sin against you and against others. Lord, your gospel is at work. The good news is at work. We pray you would give us new hearts this morning, hearts that are receptive to it. Cause us to hear and receive you this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare the table, uh, I invite you to stand for the first section of the hymn, which is uh, hymn number 261. We'll sing verses 1 and 2 of what wondrous love is this as we prepare the table. So please stand and let's worship God with hymn 261, verses 1 and 2. Please be seated. Listen to the words of Institution from Luke chapter 22. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. The table set before us is a sign and seal of the promise that Jesus gives us. It's a sign and seal of the person and work of Jesus himself. He tells us to listen to him and to receive him, And this table is a way in which we physically receive the gospel and let it take root in our hearts. The body and blood taken in by faith tills our hearts. It creates a heart that is receptive. When we pray, God would use this table to make us receptive further to his word so that we would pursue the Lord with renewed strength so that he would encourage our hearts through this table. The bread and the juice are meant to take root in our body so that the gospel would reach every area of our life. And as you hear the word, the gospel, you should believe it. You should receive it. And you should, by faith, rejoice that God has given us this table to enjoy. Jesus Christ loves you. He died in your place to give you his righteousness, to give you hope of eternal life with him. And if you're a member of this church or another, I invite you to come and enjoy this table with your brothers and sisters in Christ. But as we read in Luke chapter 22, and as we have heard the parables of Jesus, if you do not understand this table, or you have not put your faith and your trust in Christ, I ask that you do not eat this bread and this cup, but instead that you would take this time to pray, to even write down questions that you have about this part of the worship service, and that you would talk with an elder at this church about what we're doing here before you participate. If you trust in Christ, I invite you to come and enjoy this table. Would you please pray with me? God, we thank you for this table. We pray you would use it for our faith. You have given it to us as a means of your grace to strengthen us, to continue to soften our hearts, to keep our hearts soft so that we would uh, be led by you and your Spirit. So, encourage our faith, strengthen us, cause us to be uh, looking to your word, to your gospel. Uh, in every circumstance, in every season that you bring us through. Uh, we again, again, we thank you, Lord, for this table. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And after he had broken it and given thanks, he gave it to his disciples as I, ministering in his, in his name, give this bread to you. And he said... Take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The elders will pass out the bread, and once everyone's been served, we'll eat together. We'll do that now. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned, every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The body of Christ broken for you, let's eat together. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup, and after giving thanks, as we've done in his name, he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Drink from it, all of you. Again, the elders will pass out the juice, and once everyone's been served, we'll drink together. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Christ's blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Let's drink together. Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you for your body your blood. You were crushed for our iniquities, for our sin. You were raised to new life, to give us life. We thank you for the promise of the gospel. And God, we pray you would give everyone here hearts to receive your spirit and your word, and that it would take root in our lives for the glory of your kingdom and for your glory. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand and respond to God's grace with the last verse of hymn 261. Let's stand and sing verse 3 of hymn 261. that we're about to enjoy across the street and then I'll uh, give the benediction. God, we thank you for this time of fellowship that's ahead for us, for the food that you have prepared through the people and the resources that you have used to prepare it. Bless this food and this fellowship so that you would be glorified and that you would strengthen our faith through it. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Here are God's good word to you as we go. Now may the Lord of peace himself Give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.